0: And thanks for listening to the PATH 11 podcast. Before we get into our show today, I just have an announcement and would like to let everybody know that our past two screenings of the PATH Evolution at the Monroe Institute and in Saratoga Springs, where we did the premiere, was an excellent turnout. Uh, We'd like to thank everybody for coming out and helping us to promote the events and sharing the events online, even if they couldn't get there. And we are headed down to Atlanta on July 22nd at Unity North Church, and we're going to be in the Peace Chapel, and that event will be able to hold 60 people. Tickets are on sale for $10, and Tom Campbell will also be on the Q&A panel down there in Atlanta, so we're excited to have him back at one of our screenings. So, today we're going to be speaking to Ambika Waters, who is the author of 23 books on healing and spirituality and runs the Institute of Life Energy Medicine, which is an educational facility and product development company for holistic and homeopathic products for people and pets. Now, Ambika has written over 23 books, but the book that we're going to be speaking about today is Chakras and Their Archetypes. Ambika is also a homeopath with 26 years of experience restoring health and wholeness in people's lives. We'd like to welcome her to our show today. Hi, Ambika. Hi. So thanks so much for coming on. Um, Last week, our podcast, Mike and I, we have been traveling quite a bit trying to promote our latest documentary, The Path Evolution. So we've had a couple of weeks where we didn't have any guests on and haven't recorded any podcasts. So Mike was asking me, well, April, can you talk about something? You know, you're doing some stuff and teaching some things in your practice. And I came across your book uh, quite a few months ago because I was putting together a seven week wellness series for women. And I knew that I wanted to do something on the chakra system. so I, that's where I came up with the seven weeks. And I happened to just be googling, thanks to Google, and I came across your book, Chakras and their Archetypes." And I really have been modeling a workshop, going through the book and using your meditations and going through each chakra each week and looking at the positive and negative aspects of the archetype. So, Mike was saying, well, we need a filler. So why don't you talk about what you're doing in your woman's wellness? So uh, last week I was talking a little bit about the root chakra and how to balance that using some of the information in your book. So that's how I stumbled upon you.
1: Mm -hmm. Great. I've written a lot of books about the chakras. I've done eight books on the chakras. And anytime I write about homeopathy, I always add that in there. I, I love working with them. It's a beautiful system that is very ancient and in the west it really allows us to bring in soul psychology as well that relate to each one of the chakras so it's a great way to work i think
0: Yes, absolutely. And I know that you are an author of 23 books, so maybe we could have you on 23 more times <laughs> <laughs> and talk about each one. But um, can you give our audience a little bit of your background in history and kind of how you came into studying healing and spirituality and homeopathy?
1: My original uh, education was as a historian, and I love history, whether it's correct or not. I love Inquiry into how things happened. It's just been part of my nature from early childhood. Um, I finished my studies in history and I went to the UK to do art. It was something that really needed to be fulfilled in me. And when I was at the Royal College of Art in London, I was exposed to a lot of very interesting people who had depth, were interested in metaphysics, which appealed greatly to me. I um, was introduced to the work of Carl Jung, which really inspired my creative nature. I would read his books on the collective unconscious, conscience, and um, the nature of archetypes, and it just stimulated me to, to draw and paint and sculpt. It it was like a trigger. And when I was in London, I met people, American people, who were interested in starting an Esalen-style growth center in southern Spain. It was called the Finca La Fayenca and it ran three-month programs that were designed to build consciousness, to clear the field of uh, old baggage, and to develop um, to develop the soul psychology of people. And they asked me to come along and do the art. And I was thrilled to be invited. It was a place I had always wanted to travel to. So I went down with the intention of staying for two weeks, building a kiln, showing them how to do pottery, and then I was going to go to Israel and, and see kibbutz. But that never happened. I wound up staying in Spain. For 20 years and um, on and off for 20 years. Not was not one continuous run because it was very difficult to make a living in southern Spain. But I stayed at the Vienca for two and a half years and really had an opportunity for my gifts to start to come out. I had a gift for... Um, reading the body, reading people. I had a lot of sensitivity that I had never known what to do with that had been channeled into art and was suddenly channeled into healing. So my healing gifts came to the surface. My mind really um, developed a holistic approach to nutrition, to development. Um, It was a really wonderful and very safe place for me to come into my own gifts and talents. I was very grateful for the opportunity. It was a stunningly beautiful place overlooking the Mediterranean. And um, I met people from all over the world who came to be a part of this uh, extraordinary experiment in human consciousness. It was drug-free. It was um, run by very uh, sound people, uh, Sidney Lanier and his wife, Jean Lanier, owned the place. She was the heiress to the Webster Dictionary fortune. And this is one of many homes that she had that she turned over to um, a young couple, Alexis Johnson and Jeff Love, to to bring people in from all over. There were people from all over Europe, Australia, Canada, the States. Um, it was it was a wonderful Wonderful two and a half years. And after that, I came back to America uh, to finish my studies. I studied with Gabrielle Roth and I studied Japanese uh, martial arts. I needed to get grounded in my body. And after a few years of doing that in San Francisco, I went back to Europe where I studied in Holland and studied in Spain and basically made my home in southern Spain for many, many years. I would go to England to work go to Belgium to work, um, doing healing, doing therapy. And um, at one point, met and fell in love with a Belgian man who worked in Africa. And I went to Zaire for seven years, Uh, not continuously, we had good breaks, but seven years in Africa really slowed my motor down. Things are very slow there. And uh, it's a deliberate, intentional way of living if you're going to survive. So it, it, it honed other talents in me. And it gave me a chance to rest. And when that um, ended, I went back to Spain, spent a few more years there, and then it was time to study. I was in my early 40s and decided to go back to England, which was, had always been a place of learning for me. I have a deep and loving connection with the UK and went back for ten years and studied homeopathy. I started writing in Britain. I got published in Britain and those books went worldwide. The book you read, Chakras and Archetypes, was originally a very small run of 5,000 books that was bought by Elaine Gill of the Crossing Press out of Santa Cruz, California, and she's the one who put me on the map in the U.S.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And um, I wrote eight books for Crossing Press on the chakras and homeopathy. And at the time, I had qualified as a homeopath after many, many years of study there. It took me seven years to qualify as a homeopath, Uh, working my way through, paying my way as I went. It um, It was challenging, probably one of the great challenges I've had in my life, the kind of challenge that turns you into who you're meant to be, and all the dross falls away. I'm a big believer in trainings if you want to transform your life. There's nothing like a training to get you really clear about who you are and what you came here to do. It doesn't matter what the training is. It's the nature of trainings that um, if you really want it, you have to really deeply commit to it. So... I came back to the U.S. in 1998 and started practicing homeopathy and continued writing. I settled eventually in Tucson, Arizona, which is my home, a place I love and can rest and paint and garden and cook and do the things I love here. It's a wonderful, warm community, literally and figuratively warm. It's now 106 degrees here, but it's a it holds my spirit well I can write, I can study, I do a lot of online teaching I teach a certification course in homeopathy and energy medicine I'm a product developer for Life Energy Medicine my company does wonderful products for the chakras we've developed homeopathic color and sound remedies we do remedies for people and pets Uh, well, we have a whole list of therapeutic remedies that people can see on our website, which is www.lifeenergymedicine.com. That's one word: lifeenergymedicine.com. Or they can go to com. I write, I teach, I practice, I develop products. It's a it's a wonderful life.
0: Wow! I mean, your story is just amazing and so inspiring. Of hearing all of the stuff that you did up until 40 years of age when you were saying, well, and at 40 and I'm like, Oh my God, you did all of that before 40. That's, that's amazing. I've done a lot more since 40. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think um, your website says that you're in your seventies now. Is that correct? Yeah. I'm 70
1: years old now and have the vitality of a young spirit. Yeah. Um, I feel great. I look great. I'm happy in my life. Very satisfied. It's what I'm doing and um, love my work.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. And, you know, I'm hoping that we can, in this podcast, we could do a little bit of a half and half because I do want to, you know, speak about the book um, that I'm working with just with these women and, you know, getting some of your insight on that. Um, And then I also don't know all that much about homeopathy. So I'd really like to maybe in the second half of the podcast, talk a little bit more about that and get educated on that. Um, Now, I know it it was through the work of Carl Jung when you were studying him that you became interested in the archetypes. Is that correct? Is that what kind of spawned this book?
1: Yes. Well, it it was a combination of the work of Jung. I went to the Jung Institute and studied there for several months um, in the early 70s. After I finished art school um, and moved to Spain... It was just something that grew in my consciousness that I needed to know more about archetypes. So I took a term, the winter term at the Jung Institute, and just went there, took a room in a convent for women, and studied with um, the really extraordinary people who were trained by Carl Jung. They were in their 80s and 90s, and they taught me not just about archetypes, but the illusion of what age was. These people could lecture for two straight hours without a note. They could stand on their feet and in their nineties and teach a class to you know fifty or sixty people on the nature of archetypes. They were the most impressive people. Uh, the woman I went into therapy with was Mary Brenner, who is no longer on the planet, but um, worked with mothers and daughters and the archetypes of mother and daughter for many years and she had um, she was originally from Kansas City but moved to Switzerland to work directly with Jung and his wife and inspired me deeply inspired me and they really triggered my creativity I didn't write I didn't come to write for many many years after that but stuff brewed in me for a long long time before I had the courage to sit down and write
0: When you were studying at the Young Institute and kind of like seeing these people who were in their 80s and their 90s just teaching and that you were moved to go into therapy um, to have a greater understanding about yourself, what was it that was needed for you to kind of explore in order to move into more of this archetype work?
1: Well, I think we all need to look at our personal history and release resentment, baggage misperceptions and a good therapist can help you do it and I wanted to see how the Jungians worked. My work was very much about therapy. I became a therapist a bioenergetic therapist and worked for many years almost 20 years in bioenergetic therapy so working with this woman Mary Brenner was enlightening and calming she was very centered knew who she was me what her purpose in life was, and had a very gentle approach, which was something that stuck with me. Uh, Body-oriented therapies like bioenergetics can be very uh, overstimulating, and I liked the gentle approach, and it's something that stayed with me in my work with people until I came upon homeopathy in, I guess, uh, the late 80s, when I was living in Africa on a visit to Belgium I had some physical problems, and a friend recommended a homeopath, and it was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. But when it came time to to think about what I wanted to do with my life, homeopathy kept showing its head, and so I made the transition from therapy, being a therapist, to being a homeopathic practitioner in the in the 90s. It um, And I brought what I knew with me. It's not like you just end one thing and start another. I brought everything I knew about working with individuals and um, helping people open up. You really need that in homeopathy. If you want to be a good homeopath, you need people to really tell you their story and tell you what's going on with them. It's not just handing over a prescription. So I brought that soul psychology into my work as a homeopath, and it's what I teach my students in uh, life energy medicine. Look at the energy, look at the emotions, because if you can really tap into the emotional core of a human being, you can find the remedy that will dispel their grief, turn around their anger, um, help them find stability, and often cure their physical symptoms, because it is the mind. That generates the illusion, or we call it delusion in homeopathy of separation. And to heal that sense of separation is also healing a physical body to function as it's meant to. So I brought all that with me into my work, and I I fall back on it often, and I I teach that um, I teach that the emotional truths will give you the answers you need for finding the correct remedy.
0: Yeah, and I really, you know, I'm enjoying this book because I feel like the work that I'm doing, what what your book is bringing out in the women that I'm working with, I have about eight women who are um, taking this course, is that, This book is really allowing us to put names to these archetypes and really delve deep into maybe some early childhood wounding, um, you know, some past wounding, and just trying to really dig up some of the emotional stuff. Um, And your book has just allowed us to have. really common sense dialogue and making it very easy to look back in our lives and see how each chakra can be affected when it's out of balance or the negative archetype or in balance when it's acting within the positive archetype um, and I was really curious to know how did you come up with the different archetypes uh, the positive and negative negative. and I'm just going to run through the names that you have here I know we're not going to be able to go through every one but I wanted to maybe ask you about two but you have um, within the chakra system the the base or the root chakra the positive and negative is mother would be the positive and victim would be the negative negative. In the sacral chakra, the emperor or empress is the positive, and in the negative, the martyr. The solar plexus is the warrior, which is the positive, the balanced, and negative is servant. Heart would be lover and actor. Throat, communicator, and silent child, which is next week what we're working on. So we have worked our way all the way up through the heart, and next week I'm going to be teaching on the throat. Uh, the brow is intuitive and intellectual and crown is guru and egotist so how did you come up with these archetypes
1: well in studying the nature of the chakras and the ethos for the book itself is when you take personal responsibility for yourself you become empowered and you have access to greater energy so what has no energy is a victim Victims do not have energy. They are dependent upon the energy of other people or their communities or the United Nations or some body to provide them with the energy they need. So that was pretty clear. And the mother, the mother just makes everything good. The Mm -hmm. mother is being able to hold the ground. You know, I, I was gonna call it mother courage, but it was just came out as mother. Uh, The emperor and empress was interesting. I I met this couple many, many years ago when I lived in Spain. They were in their 80s, and they were hikers. They were British, and they could hike for 20 miles a day in the heat. And they were very sexual in their 80s. They were an amazing couple, and they got the nickname the emperor and empress. And I thought of them because they had so much vitality. God, we should all have half their energy at 80. (laughs) And they were lovely. They were charming and intelligent people. I think they were both former professors at university, and they were physical. They were in touch with life at the purest joy, and um, and so that they were. That came out of knowing them. They were the emperor and empress because it's really about the physical plane the sacral chakra is about the physical plane it's about pleasure and sensuality sexuality abundance health beauty pleasure it's ultimately about pleasure and unconditional love at the same time so it's a very powerful chakra and uh, the martyr which is one of the hardest archetypes to transform because it's so acknowledged in our culture. Mm-hmm. I've written a book called Healing Martyrdom Through the Spirit of Sexuality and the Soul of Pleasure. And it's an ebook. You, you can find it on my website for $9. It's a great book. I mean, really, as a therapist and a healer for over 40 years, trying to transform that martyr archetype. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. The world is really, the world loves a martyr. And so it's, people end gain a lot by getting a lot of attention from martyrdom. Instead of, instead of, you know, really anchoring pleasure and health and abundance and unconditional love into their lives, they, they prefer suffering and misery because they get something from it. When I wrote the book um, on healing martyrdom, I really thought about where to go to write the book because I think locale is very important for certain themes. So I went to Jerusalem and I stayed in Jerusalem for two and a half months because it's the epicenter of martyrdom for three major religions. And it was, and it brought up every one of my own martyr issues, <laughs> including losing my luggage, not being able to speak the language, getting lost. It was, it was kind of funny that I thought, oh, my goodness, this is all my stuff coming up to be healed. So it took me a long time to write the book. I'm just doing the final edits yet again. I must have edited this book 300 times. I'm not kidding. It's a very hard book. It was a hard book to write because it involved healing my own martyrdom as I wrote it. And that's all sacral chakra stuff. The world sacral chakra is so dysfunctional and it is probably the most dysfunctional chakra in the human energy system. When you get people willing to release suffering and to buy into joy and pleasure, unconditional love, their right to abundance and health, then you've won something. But it's uh, it's a challenge and This book helps. It's got a lot of affirmations, meditations, visualizations, prayer. It's a powerful book. So if you have people that are really stuck in martyr, uh, I encourage them to get the book.
0: Excellent. Great. Yeah, I will definitely take a look at that. Maybe that will be my next workshop. (laughs)
1: Let me know how you do on that because it's something I don't teach. I made the choice. I don't want to teach that. Mm Mm-hmm. So you young gals, take that one on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, and what I'm finding as we're moving, you know, through each week and each of your chapters here, it almost feels like the beginning of this wellness series was really about having the women take a look at taking responsibility, you know, really... Really, in that first chakra of coming out of that victim, and really feeling like that they have the power to make choices. My, the wellness series is—it's funny that you said um, you were going to call it Mother Courage. We are calling the series Love, Courage, Freedom. Oh, nice. Very yeah. Nice. So, um, so that's what really felt like the first week was all about: in teaching and empowering the women to say, "Okay, let's move out of this victim role." And how can we begin to take responsibility for ourselves, take charge of our emotions, and kind of own it? Um, and then it felt like as we were moving through the sacral and the solar plexus, um, you know, and just kind of like having fun and stuff. I put a bunch of music on for the sacral class and have them dance and just ha- you know enjoy that pleasure and have a good time and move. Um, it felt like that the women started dropping into more of a sense of uh, honoring themselves, Mm -hmm. um, being able to, you know, say no, stand up, recognize what their boundaries, their limitations were, um, and then also gaining some self-confidence, you know, as we moved into the, the solar plexus. And then, and I don't know if this would be your experience too, but You know, uh, last week we moved into the heart and then all of a sudden, of course, I mean, how could it not when you're in the heart chakra, um, everything started to really open up and it felt like the women really blossomed uh, during that week. Um, And then we had the 4th of July off and just the stories that were coming in from them. So is, is that what you find as you're moving up through the chakras in a training like that, that people will begin to really open or peek at the heart chakra? Well,
1: the truth of it is the three lower chakras, the root, the sacral, and the solar plexus, are about our personal issues. And they are loaded with ancestral energy, with attitudes and ideas that are dysfunctional because of what people had to do to survive. And they're the hard chakras. They're, you know, everybody wants to be spiritual. Everybody wants to be up there. Everybody wants to be open. But until you work through those issues... In the lower chakras, you will always be brought down to deal with them. So they're challenging, and by the time you get to the heart, everybody goes, "Whoo! Yeah, let's open up, let's fly, let's be high, let's be happy." Everybody loves that because they're light chakras. They're they're trans. I call them the transpersonal chakras from the heart, throat, brow, and crown. They're transpersonal issues that connect us. They're all about connection. Why the lower chakras? are really about disconnect. They're about us and them. They're about power. They're about um, money, sexuality, um, boundaries. All the things people don't really like to deal with that need to be sorted out. And as I say, they're loaded with ancestral garbage, just loaded, and it takes time. When I did trainings, I used to do two months on one chakra. I ran 18 months trainings. I never I did a few week-long ones, but I'll tell you if you can keep expanding your time frame so that they can go deeper, yeah, you will get tremendous healing for yourself and for the people you work with. Tremendous. And you can be as creative as you obviously are in putting things in there that help them open and help them dispel I don't want to say just their negativity, but the negativity that is ancestral and generational. You know, when you get to the higher chakras, you're talking transpersonal, you're talking past life, you're talking spirituality. But when you're talking root chakra, you're dealing with Holocaust, you're dealing with war, you're dealing with bankruptcy, you're dealing with illness, poverty, the things that have separated people off from their own common good. And they take maturity and love of self to really heal.
0: So keep at it. I really encourage you, keep at it and keep expanding the time frame. Yeah, I really like that idea. And I can totally agree and see how you can spend months just on, on one. Months. Um, but we've developed these remedies.
1: That's something I would like to talk to you about homeopathically. We've developed homeopathic color, and sound remedies that are chakra-based homeopathic medicine. They are made from colored light, um, water exposed to colored light, and stabilized with alcohol and potentized in the homeopathic dilution fashion. And these remedies work on the chakras. They will bring healing to the chakras. We teach a course in the homeopathic color and sound remedies It's a pre-recorded class, it's on our website. And when I teach homeopathy, I do it through the chakras. So I teach the cell salts, the flower essences, the nozodes, the homeopathic remedies, and the homeopathic color and sound remedies that relate to each chakra. And you may want to look into it because it gives you a powerful tool to help people dislodge their negativity. The flower essences alone are thematically organized. So you've got hundreds of pages for just one chakra. I think the course is about 750, 800 pages of knowledge about the remedies, the energy remedies that work to dislodge this baggage that we're so attached to, the story, the generational story. And I'm really committed to seeing that healed because I don't think we will find the kind of healing we long for on this planet until people have really let go and come into the present time with their gifts and talents blooming. So that's something that I created in 1990 in Britain. I've written a book called Homeopathic Color and Sound Remedies which Random House publishes. And it goes through it chakra by chakra. It's chakra medicine. It's food through the chakras.
0: Hmm. Well, yeah, and hearing that makes me feel like maybe I am on the right path with what I'm doing on, you know, a very small level. One of the things. So that you're I'm- on the right path. <laughs> okay. the right path. <laughs> well, what is this? Oh, it's go ahead. Built in, it's a built-in. Um,
1: I call it the ladder of love, going through the chakras. It's a ladder of love. It takes you higher and higher and higher into universal truths and the ability to access divine love. And that's what the chakras were designed for, you know, 18,000 years ago. Every culture has chakras, whether it's Native American, the Kabbalistic uh, approach, uh, the Hindu approach, the ancient Chinese medicine approach. Even mystical Christianity has it. They all use this method of, Energy centers. They may call it different things. They may not call it chakras, but it's it's innate to the human energy system. It called by different names, but always the same. A way to access divinity in the in our energy systems.
0: Yeah, and one of the things that um, I'm incorporating into it and. I don't know if you would consider essential oils the ones that I use happen to be um, young living but in my research I was also I also found the different types of essential oils um, flower essences I guess that you would say to use for the chakra so we have been using that That's Um cool. Yeah, and uh, and then I think pe- the ladies thought I was crazy, but each week I make them wear the color of the chakra yes. that we're talking about.
1: And we used to even eat the food that was the color of the chakra. So ah. everybody, we would wear the color, we would eat the food, we would use the essential oils. I've got a book called The Book of Chakras, published by Barron Educational Press. It's a beautiful a uh, fully illustrated book and it gives all the correspondences for the chakras. It gives the planets the crystals, the plants, the flowers the animal, the gods uh, gives meditation visualization. There's a little bit of information in there about the color remedies gives the archetypes It's it's gives a tremendous amount of knowledge for you to work with and you can find that on our website too Amazon carries it And that's a good book for just knowledge about each one of the chakras.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, that's, you know, part of it too. It's kind of overwhelming. It's of, you know, how do you teach it? Where do you start? You know, I wanted it to be something a little bit deeper than just them, you know, learning about the colors, the sound vibration, the frequencies, this, that, and the other. But, and some of it of developing, it was just using, you know, my own intuition. And I know somewhere in passing, I kind of heard about color therapy and, um, and the chakras so maybe you could talk a little bit more about that like with what is it about color and sound that brings these energy centers into balance and how do you use that um i know that you said that you have some stuff on your website about that but can you go a little bit deeper into that and tying it into the homeopathy sure the
1: chakras resonate at a at specific frequencies I don't know the exact megahertz but they have and that's in the book but they resonate with a very dense frequency in the root chakra which corresponds exactly to the frequency of red and to the sound of middle C to the note middle C so whether you use colored light, where the color eat the food, which has the vibration of red or you use the homeopathic remedies that we've developed, you are stimulating that chakra. You are in resonance with the frequency of that chakra. It starts with the densest, the densest frequency and the slowest oscillation of vibration in the root chakra and goes up to the fastest and the lightest of uh, frequency and oscillation in the crown chakra, which is the color violet and the note high C in the scale. I mean, the correspondence with series of seven is it's a universal theme, seven oceans, seven, at the time there were seven planets that were used that corresponded, seven metals, the ancients used metals the root chakra metal was lead which is the homeopathic remedy plumbum it it will heal paralysis of the lower limbs it will which is huge because a lot of people are very sluggish in their root chakra and is the age they have trouble with mobility so a remedy like leadum i'm sorry plumbum in a low low potency will stimulate the root chakra but so will the color red so will the sound middle C, and I'd like to use the gentle approach before giving a homeopathic, a deep homeopathic remedy. There's also something we've developed called the septinates. Septinates are used in India. They, a septinate means seven. So we have made a septinate formula for each chakra made from homeopathic remedies in low potency. So we have the root chakra, Septinets. We have the sacral chakra septinets. These are seven remedies that are taken for seven days, and they will stimulate and balance the chakras. So this is work that we do. I, my business partner Vannette Thorner is a homeopath, and we work in this field of resonance and energy constantly, looking for new formulas. We're currently working on a formula for radiation toxicity because it's huge, and it's. It's impacting not only the planet, but people's lives. It's a very fragmenting um, and very destructive energy that has really, it's just everywhere. And you see it in people's lives. You see people, their physical issues like high blood pressure or um, certain conditions of the blood. Um, You'd be surprised, hair loss. Hair loss is a big one we're seeing that relate to radiation poisoning and that too if you can build a strong energy system really what you're doing is you're not just clearing baggage you are building a viable energy system with the psychological work you're doing the movements the colors the remedies have a real place in there the septin the homeopathic color and sound remedies the genetic predisposition remedies the cell salts the flower essences, the essential oils, they all help build a strong and resilient energy body, because that's the only way we are going to be able to go forward with so much toxicity in our environment.
0: Hmm.
1: Hmm.
0: And as a homeopath, um, you know, maybe you'd like to share the exact definition, but I kind of think of it as, would it be like a holistic doctor? No, it's a
1: homeopathic practitioner. That's what um, I trained as in Britain. I'm not a medical doctor. I am a homeopathic practitioner. And I was registered with the Society of Homeopaths in England and in the United States. No, I don't call myself a doctor. Some people call me doctor, but I'm not. I'm a practitioner. Okay. I studied this medicine for 26 years. I know it fairly well. There's, You can always learn more. And now we're studying about radiation. So I'm learning about the radioactive remedies.
0: And, and is there any difference between um, a homeopath and an alchemist? Or are they kind of along the same lines? Of- They're kind of along the same lines.
1: Let me tell you something interesting. Speaking of alchemy, a hawk just landed on the tree in front of my window. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a hawk in a long time. The hawk is the messenger. That's... That's what the hawk is known as, and it works on the third eye, which I'm teaching tonight to my students. So (laughs) (laughs) it's a hairier hawk. It looks young. It looks looks like it's probably about a year old, and it's just sitting on the branch of the pine tree right in front of my window as I'm talking to you. I just saw it.
0: Wow. How exciting is that?
1: That's lovely.
0: That's awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. So maybe do we have to talk about the third eye? Is the hawk bringing us a message? <laughs> well,
1: well, the third eye is known as the control center
0: and it's a
1: powerful, powerful uh, chakra because it controls everything. It controls our imagination, our intuition, our access to wisdom our ability to discern who and what are for our highest good, and the ability to take in knowledge that we need to go forward. And its archetypes are powerful as well. I mean, the elder, the the person who knows what they know, the positive archetype of the of the brow chakra is truly a visionary. They have the ability to access both lobes of the brain, which means they can synthesize, bring together, and they can also analyze and separate out. They can differentiate uh, one thing from another, which is hugely important. And at the same time, see the whole picture. So. I'm a great believer in getting this chakra healed because it's where the attitudes they're lodged in the body attitudes are lodged in the chakras in the body but they're formed in the mind and when you can transform the power of the mind to work for you rather than against you you know many many years when I many years ago when I started studying this I read Louise Hay's wonderful book how to heal your life and she said These affirmations are just thoughts, just like your negative thoughts. You have the power to transform the way you think. God bless Louise Hay. She was one of the great pioneers in this work, as was Carolyn Mace, as was Carl Jung. How we think, we create with our mind. You focus the mind on something, you will create it. You worry about not having enough money, you won't have enough money. You worry about your health, you will create a dysfunction, pathological dysfunction. If you can bring the goodness, the trust in life, and the trust in your own goodness into a powerful thought form, a powerful affirmation, you will start to see miracles happen in your life. Absolutely, we know that. And what it takes is a willingness, a willingness to love yourself, to know that you're worthy of your highest good, and to start to think as a visionary, start to see the bigger picture, and what is your place in that bigger vision. So that's, this hawk is just sitting there, he's not flying off, he's just (laughs) sitting there.
0: (laughs) That's amazing, really wonderful. Well, tell tell the hawk I said hello. <laughs> waving at you now. <laughs> now, why would somebody um, seek out a homeopathic practitioner? what What are some of the benefits of going and getting? Um, I, I'm assuming that there's an evaluation that's done. I mean, what what do you see brings people to you to seek this type of healing?
1: Well, often people come because they want better health. They may have a health issue. Um, they may have low immunity, they may be getting a a lot of flus and colds, they may have chronic illness, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, mental illness, Uh, these are chronic conditions that are genetically uh, predisposed. They may just be curious to see what this form of holistic healing is. I mean, I treat cancer, I treat heart disease, I treat diabetes, Um, but basically I'm treating the whole person. It's a very gentle and very effective form of health treatment, Uh, much more gentle than taking harsh chemicals which have side effects to them. They may just wish to enhance their consciousness. I mean, what I say is choose a medicine that's compatible with your higher consciousness, and that's what homeopathy, acupuncture, chiropractic, and Reiki are about, hands-on healing. They are about gentle and effective treatment to balance um, the totality of a person, not just their physical body, but their emotional, mental, and spiritual bodies. So I treat pregnant women. I treat infants. I've spent many years treating autistic children and their families. Um, This medicine goes deep, deep, deep into the human economy, and it restores balance it takes people to the next step. That's one of the things I've seen over and over again. I believe in the healing power of illness, that it is through dealing with illness that we transform our lifestyles. We look at our purpose. What did we come here to do? And if people can really, if they can get over the suffering and see the higher purpose of illness, they can heal very quickly. So that's one of the things I do. I help people heal quickly and get on with their lives. And I see it over and over and over again. And that's the work of the archetypes, how to transform your archetypes so you can get out there and do what you came here to do, because I believe everybody came here to make this planet a better place.
0: I agree. I definitely agree with that, too. And it's fun to help people kind of find that purpose and reconnect with that. So they're living out in the world with that energy.
1: It's funny the hawk, which was on a low branch, just moved up to a higher branch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh,
1: beautiful, beautiful creature! I wish I could show you.
0: I know. If it's still there, you might have to snap a picture on on a cell phone or something. Know you know. uh, I
1: don't. <laughs> well, all I we can do is tell you that it just hopped up to a higher branch.
0: Nice. Mm-hmm. Um the other question. Oh, I know sometimes Mike likes me to ask this question when I'm speaking to you know practitioners that are doing you know healing work with people. Is there any one case or story that really stood out to you that maybe even made you believe even more in the work that you're doing or you just saw somebody completely transform before your eyes with the work that they did with you that it's just, I don't know, just kind of gives you more hope, more faith, more belief in all of this stuff really working.
1: Many, I would say almost all my cases. But I will tell you a story about a woman who came to me with melanoma, which most people don't walk back from. It's a very, very serious condition. And um, we have a protocol for cancers, many different kinds of cancers that was developed by an Indian homeopath who's the homeopath to the Prime Minister of India. His name is Dr. Krishna. He's written a book on treating cancers that I use. I follow his protocol. So I set her a diet. I set her uh, some conditions that she had to stay out of the sun, which is kind of hard to do here in Arizona, and um, started her on these remedies. She was a speech-language pathologist, and worked in a hospital, but she had done that for many, many years and was getting tired of it, very tired of, of dealing with pathology, people who had had their vocal cords removed, and it was very hard work. She had done that for 20 years and wanted to do something else, but she, she, um, she had to heal. So it took about 18 months of treatment on a monthly basis, to, um, to treat the melanoma. I don't diagnose and um, so I sent her to her doctors who had originally diagnosed the melanoma and they confirmed that it was gone. But when she started to heal, I asked her what she wanted to do with her life and she said, well I wanna help people find their voice. I'd like to do work with the voice and she had started studying mindfulness and practicing mindfulness, and was asked by a few people to teach them to do a mindfulness class. I think she did one in a school, and she did one with um, some of her colleagues, and then she was asked, as she was healing, she was asked to um, speak at a big conference uh, of speech-language pathologists, and her work is now focused on helping people find their voice and speak their truth. And I saw an ordinary woman with an ordinary, I say ordinary job, regular job, working hard in a hospital, transform herself into a highly empowered woman, highly empowered where she is now a voice, a voice in the field of learning to speak your truth. Rather than dealing with the physical pathology, she is helping people build that throat chakra into a strong muscle. And it's very exciting to see her. Um, I ran into her the other day and she's just vibrant. She is just uh, luminous, actually. She is so happy with her life and happy in her marriage and happy in her job. And, you know, she just lights up a room to see somebody go from dealing with cancer to this level of empowerment and responsibility and truly beautiful beyond imagination I wish you could see how radiant she is so that's mm. that's one I have many 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 stories I have many stories of women particularly women who have found levels of empowerment they never dreamed possible women who struggled with jobs that they were not suited for that were difficult for them where they were. Victimized and martyrized who, through homeopathic treatment and and doing the work, the inner work, become national board chairmans of of huge organizations, get invitations from the White House. I kind of delighted that. Um, I've seen, and it is it's about empowerment. no matter what the therapy is, it is about empowerment. so
0: Yeah. And do you have do you have any thoughts in regards to and again, you know, sorry, guys, but I'm specifically focusing on women, but men might be able to relate to this, too. But I'm interested to know what your take is on the connection with women or maybe even men and their love for themselves and their bodies and weight.
1: Well, you just have to love yourself no matter what your weight is. It's not about weight. It's about love and self-worth. And when you can start to build that in, no matter what your weight is, your size, your skin color, your sexual preference, your age, you got to drop all that stuff on the outside and just focus on self-love, loving yourself exactly as you are. And as you build that self-love and self-worth and know that you are absolutely deserving of the best, the very best that life has to offer. Often the weight just falls away. It's not about what you eat. It's not about what size you are. It's not about the color of your skin. It's not about your sexual preference. It's not about your age. When you start to love yourself, regardless of those external labels put upon us by society, you become a radiant being. And a radiant being... Can transform anything into what's positive. It is nothing about the outside. It is everything about what you are willing to give yourself. And so many people, so many women, particularly with their weight issues, are so punishing, so yeah. strict. And, you know, they eat one grain of rice and drink a half a liter of water or something. I mean, that's not going to take your weight off. Learning to love yourself and accept yourself will melt fast that faster than the speed of light Mm -hmm. and and when you start to feel safe with yourself in the world it is it is about self love it is about feeling safe it is about making lifestyle choices it is about being discerning enough to say this is not good for me I am not thriving in this marriage or this relationship or this job or in this town making the changes that have to be made But the first changes are internal. The rest follows suit. But in in giving up suffering and giving up punishment, oh Lord, give Mm -hmm. up punishment because it's what was programmed into us about the need to be perfect. And the need to be perfect is uh, a recipe for mental illness as far as I'm concerned. It's obsession, it does, it creates obsession, compulsions, punishing acts, stringent acts. I mean, come on, it's time to drop that. Definitely time to drop that. The remedy help, homeopathy helps with it, therapy helps with it, affirmations help with it, learning how to love ourselves. In spite of what the outside looks like, in spite of all those things I mentioned, that's the trick. That's the real trick.
0: Yeah, okay. and it goes
1: for men as well as women. And men just have it harder. They're they're anchored more in the material world, less in the spiritual world, and they believe in the numbers. Men. And women with masculine minds, they believe in the numbers. Well, I weighed 172 yesterday, and only ate three grams of this and five grams of that. I mean, you know, if you want to stick with the numbers, (laughs) you'll (laughs) suffer more than anything. And men tend to do that. Men tend to do that. The good thing about men is their ability to compartmentalize and not take things personally. That's what I love about men. Right? They're great, but they're slow to make change because they're so earthbound. And they need to be until women get more embodied and take more responsibility. Men have the job of being anchored on the earth plane. I know men want to fly. I know their spirits want to be free. I know that. But, you know, women force men to stay grounded until they take responsibility and get out there and do what they're meant to do. Men have that burden. And it's a heavy burden. Don't ever think it's not. I don't envy men. That, uh, that role, I don't. Because I know in truth everybody wants to be free.
0: Absolutely. Free like that hawk out there. <laughs>
1: yeah, the hawk, just, he just flew away.
0: That hawk just flew away. Mm. Well, maybe because he knows that we're coming to the end of our discussion. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was really such a treat and I'm so glad that I decided to reach out to you and it was kind of one of those, well, hey, why not? You know, I'm reading her thank book, you. I'm teaching her bit, her book. Let me see if she wants to talk. So, and I thank you for having me on your show.
1: I I always love talking about what I do and and I wish you yeah. all the best.
0: Yes, thank you so much. I think that we will definitely have you back. I'd, I'd like to go through some more of your books and, you know, have a chance to personally read them and uh, be able to have you back on. Thank and- you. It's
1: been a pleasure. I really enjoyed it.
0: If you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepastseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com. Our films are also streaming online at vimeo.com, guyamtv.com, and iTunes. If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at infothepastseries.com at or send us a tweet at the past Series. Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe. We hope you enjoyed the show.